Hi, everyone, and welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to next year's Oscars. I'm Sophia Simonello. And I'm Nick Rookrout. And today we will be doing our first episode of a new series where we will be going through all of the upcoming Oscar categories. To get started, we'll be talking all about Best Animated Feature. I am excited to talk about this category. I don't think it's necessarily strong this year in terms of the total competition that maybe other categories have. So I think as we progress in this award season and talk about other categories, we're definitely going to have longer discussions and I think a harder time Mm -hmm. maybe choosing between predictions and winners and just having a more contentious debate about what we feel might win or should win. I totally agree with you, I think, and we'll get to it. One of the reasons why we did this category so early is because there are two clear front runners to me, and then the competition maybe isn't as strong, or I can't quite decide what films I can see maybe filling out those slots. Later on, as the season progresses, we will have other things to consider, like industry awards and short lists that we can draw from but this is kind of our first go at this so we will see so you mentioned we have two clear front runners and i think this is no surprise to anybody but those are soul and wolf walkers and we talked about an interview with the directors on our previous podcast so after we release this episode we'll be releasing that discussion which was amazing we had a great time with tom moore and ross stewart so we'll be releasing that tomorrow on its own episode so you can enjoy both of these separately or together we definitely intended originally to make it one episode but our conversation was just so fun and lively (laughs) that it had to be its own episode (laughs) lasted longer than we expected which is not a bad problem to have always good so let's get started with soul out of pixar of course you can watch it right now on disney plus it premiered on disney plus on christmas day it was directed by pete doctor and it stars jamie fox and tina fey among others IMDb description here. After landing the gig of a lifetime, a New York jazz pianist suddenly finds himself trapped in a strange land between Earth and the afterlife. How did you feel about Soul? I ended up watching Soul a few times, and I think it's one of those movies where the more you watch it, the more I at least enjoy it. I really connected with its message, and I think I really liked how... It felt like an extended dialogue of what Inside Out had started, which I also really loved. I think that's actually my favorite Pixar film. So it was fun to revisit that world here in Seoul. How did you feel when you saw it? I actually really loved it. It did take me, I would say, two watches, though, to fully grasp it and fully love it. I think on the first watch, I was impressed by it, but I needed the other watch to really kind of let those ideas marinate. And I really love these high concept Pixar films. So like Inside Out, like WALL-E, those are some of my favorites. But I also found it to be like the perfect pandemic movie without trying to be a pandemic movie. So it wasn't one of these like Zoom thrillers, but it was an interrogation of like what it means to be a human in this world and thinking about your soul and your purpose and your own mortality and having the main character be 
a middle-aged music teacher was just something that I found completely unexpected from a Pixar film. I think usually we have like a toy or a car or an animal or something that is much easier for a kid to grasp or to latch onto. But, you know, a lot of kids, I feel like, don't think about their teachers being real adults. And I felt that it was a really bold statement for Pixar to make. And I hope that they keep continuing to make films like this in the future. I think it excelled on so many different levels. We can talk about potential category nominations, but I love the score. I think the screenplay was really well done. It really does appeal to both kids and adults Mm -hmm. here really, really well. And I think in previous Pixar films, this doesn't always happen Mm -hmm. or it doesn't seem as mature. And I really like that here. And I think that's just me seconding what you said about, you know, wanting Pixar to keep making these complex and provocative decisions. Yeah, I think too. So at first when I watched it, I thought, okay, what are kids going to get out of this? Because for me, it was like bringing up these deep existential questions and I kept thinking okay a five-year-old who watches this like what are they going to think of this movie and I surveyed some people that I work with who have kids and I was like hey have you watched Soul and all of their kids actually really liked it and they liked it for different things whether it was they loved having a cat that was talking throughout like the second half of the movie or they liked this really beautiful other world. It was like not necessarily those existential parts that they connected to, but you're right. Like there were things in there that kids were able to connect with. And some of the ones we'll talk about later are strictly for children. There isn't much an adult can get out of them. <laughs> Speaking from personal experience. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you I, know what I'm talking we about. Have the same response. <laughs> but with this one, it was just... I don't think it was as successful as Inside Out in the same way. I think Inside Out is a lot easier to grasp while still being really high concept. But another thing that I did really appreciate with Soul was this black representation. So having, again, this middle-aged black man be the main character in the story, I think was something that was really cool. In thinking what kids would like, I agree in that I I would have thought it would have been the cat and then also the soul blobs Uh in the other world as well. And I do agree. I love that it was this black man telling his story and also bringing in the history of Mm -hmm. jazz. So to see him die very early on was hard. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, great. You know, we're getting this story. And then five minutes in, he's dead, (laughs) which isn't exactly the case. I think you're right, though, with that criticism that it's like, okay, you're having this story about these black characters and then they spend a majority of the story actually just being these like animated blobs up in... Mm -hmm purgatory or like the universe basically so you're like is this actually is Mm -hmm. this kind of a cop-out exactly there's something else that happens later on in the movie which i think is even worse than this because we do get to see his character come back in different ways and he is in more of the film than just the beginning but i think what happens later on and i don't want to spoil this because this is a big twist in a way for the movie but i think that's also some other criticism of like this is what we're doing So all of that aside, I really, really do like this film. I love that, you know, like every other Pixar film, we get these Easter eggs. Mm -hmm. We actually will talk about Onward in a bit, but there was a jazz album in Onward, which came out early in 2020. And that album was alluding to Soul, which I think is really cool that they foreshadow these films coming out, which I know has happened previously, too. 
That's really cool. I didn't notice that one. My favorite Easter egg that was in it was because of Trent Reznor. And it was when you see Joe going past the hardware store and they're selling Nine Inch Nails. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. so funny that this guy who, you know, is in a band like Nine Inch Nails, which is not a children's band unless you grow up in my house, is now making music for <laughs> Disney movies. It's great. And the score, I will say, 1,000% will be nominated on Oscar night. I think it's incredible. It's so original. I love the jazz in it. And I think they did an amazing job, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Yeah. The score is my favorite part of the movie. It is really, really strong. This is definitely going to be one of my go-to scores that I will listen to. I've played this on repeat already, Mm -hmm. and I really want to buy it on vinyl because it's something you can just play. So it's been sweeping with critics. It's had 13 wins, and the second best film with critics is Tenet with only three. So it has a huge, huge lead here, Mm -hmm. and Trent and Atticus will also be up for Mank. So if they get a double nomination, I think that would be super impressive. I won't be surprised if it happens. I really do love the Mank score, but I think the soul score is the stronger one of their scores so if they win Mm -hmm. i think it will be for soul but i could see a double nomination happening so let's talk about other categories besides best animated feature where we think this could maybe pick up nominations I think score Mm -hmm. is not a guarantee, but it's definitely up there and has a very strong chance of getting nominated. What other categories do you think this could be up for? So I actually right now on my list have it at number 10 for picture. I think it's possible. There have only been three animated films ever nominated for best picture. Beauty and the Beast in 1991, Up in 2009, and then Toy Story 3 in 2010. Mm -hmm. The odds aren't great for animated films getting nominated but i think that it will resonate with voters in a way that's different from other animated films that being said other ones that did have strong presence with the academy like coco or wally or inside out weren't nominated for best picture but i think this year just looking across the board i keep thinking to myself like will three play adaptations really get nominated for best picture it just seems weird when you start thinking about things like that like will we really get Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, One Night in Miami, and The Father, all nominated. It feels like Mm -hmm. when you start thinking about it that way, like maybe we won't. Or, you know, are certain films just strong with critics? And then when it comes down to it, Academy voters won't go for them. It's hard doing this this early because we don't know how any industry people are voting yet. We haven't even gotten Golden Globe nominations. We just have critics. So I do think it's really possible. Maybe unlikely. I actually have it at number eight for my best picture list. So I I know we don't officially have 10 nominees this year. Mm -hmm. That criteria that we talked about earlier in 2020 about the Academy change doesn't go in effect until next year. I think they would be stupid not to put it at 10 this year. Say there are 10. I think it does have a really good chance. And maybe where Disney Pixar failed in the past or just animated features in general could have been based on the competition that year. Mm -hmm which does change a lot. And I think this year, Soul's story, its depth, and have a really good shot at another Best Picture nominee for Pixar. I think it's great. And I think too, like we talked about the score from Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. I think having so much support in that category and being taken seriously in a category that is for, for lack of a better word, serious contenders, it's not Best Original Song, which usually goes to the Disney song. I think that might Mm -hmm. give it a leg up. So I'm looking at Gold Derby right now with their predictions and Soul is actually number 11. 
11. And it's funny because I don't have either of these chosen and we we made a pod about both of these, but number nine and 10 are News of the World and Promising Young Woman. Oh my God. (laughs) And I just think I had seen a tweet about this too and I totally agree, but I don't think there's any world where Promising Young Woman gets nominated for Best Picture. It just makes me kind of sad. That's why I paused. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's so hard. For how much people are loving this movie, Mm -hmm. and I definitely do. I mean, nothing has changed since we talked about it here. But just thinking about Best Picture, it's way too controversial. So yes, I agree with you. But one thing I will say is that to be nominated for Best Picture, you just have to secure a certain amount or percentage of first place votes. And I feel like a lot of people might rank it first. Like, it might be their favorite movie of the year. So I feel like that definitely is possible there. But, yeah, those two being the 9 and 10 spots, it's kind of funny because they couldn't be more different. And we happened to cover them on the same episode. (laughs) I mean, in another category, in Best Original Screenplay, I think it's a total shoe-in. So I think that just speaks about Mm -hmm. what the category represents, too. And Gold Derby actually has it fourth on original screenplay so i think we'll definitely see it does gold derby have all three of those play nominations i was talking about up there does it have one night in miami the father and ma rainey above it yeah for picture they have ma rainey's black bottom at three one night in miami at five and the father at seven yeah i just i'm dubious about that i i feel like one of them will underperform my gut is telling me the father and i think this might be we're getting way off topic but this will happen in all of these episodes (laughs) (laughs) This might make you believe in their predictions less, but they also have Minari at number six for best picture. Um, (laughs) Again, this is coming from someone who put Minari at number two on my list of favorite movies of the year. But yeah, I just like, I think we just have to wait and see what the industry does. I think if A24 really goes for it, they just haven't been successful in the past here. Like they didn't Mm -hmm. get Uncut Gems. They couldn't do the farewell. They got Lady Bird. But in recent years, it's been tougher. I understand what you're saying. Totally. And I think Minari is for sure a best picture contender or should should be. be. Or, you know, feels like it. Yeah. So... You mentioned Promising Young Woman for screenplay. Do you think that Soul maybe has a chance in screenplay? Because we have had Pixar films get nominated there before. We've had seven Pixar noms, Mm -hmm. but zero wins. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be up for original screenplay. But a win, I don't think is likely. I don't either. Which is fine. I want it to be applauded for what it's done. And I think that's fine. But I'm happy that it's a part of the conversation. I think that's the bottom line. So quickly, just Pixar in this category. So since the creation of Best Animated Feature in 2002, Pixar has won 10 times with 13 total nominations. It's a pretty good percentage of victories there, Mm -hmm. 10. And Pete Docter, this director, has also won twice. He's won for Up and for Inside Out. So not like separately for Best Director, but just getting that Best Animated Feature Oscar. So let's get into Wolf Walkers, our second contender for Best Animated Feature, directed by Tom Moore and Ross Stewart. It's about a young apprentice hunter and her father who journey to Ireland to help wipe out the last wolf pack. Everything changes when she befriends a free-spirited girl from a mysterious tribe rumored to transform into wolves by night. This is currently on Apple TV+, Plus, so you can watch it there, and I think it's a wonderful film. I think the animation is out of this world, done by Cartoon Saloon, who is co-founded by Tom, one of the directors, and Ross has been there since the start as well. 
Some of this knowledge will be coming from our interview, which again will be posted later. Mm-hmm. But they focus on hand drawn animation, which I think just gives so much detail to every single shot. And the story, kind of like Soul, can appeal both to children and adults on different and similar levels. Yeah, it might be hard to do this, but I think like if I were a kid in 2020, having watched both of these, like I would prefer Wolf Walkers. I feel like Wolf Walkers was definitely. Mm-hmm easier to pick up on the themes it felt i think more coherent as a story i feel like while soul has a lot of depth to it i really enjoyed how empathetic wolf walkers felt i found myself really nostalgic watching this hand-drawn movie that had these really dark themes and it had a lot of violence in it but it was in a way that kids wouldn't be scared kids would be intrigued and kids would be ready to learn and it had this beautiful I think like mythology and folklore intertwined and that's what Mm -hmm. I really loved about it it's such a worthy film for this category I think and I don't want to spoil too much like I don't want to give a lot away because we do get into a lot of it in our conversation so definitely watch Wolf Walkers and then check out our interview I love the history that is put into this film. And so it's placed in Kilkenny, Ireland in the 1600s. And the way the story transforms, I think, again, is just easy to understand for all audiences. For our listeners also, I think it's important to note that this is a period film that Nick liked. (laughs) 1600s Ireland. Uh, Does that make it a period piece, though? 1650s (laughs) Ireland? Yeah. Okay, fine. I'll give it to you. (laughs) In a way, it feels modern, too. Yeah, that's why it's good, though. It's like it's a modern folktale set in the past because so many of those Mm -hmm. themes are still relevant today. And that's something that I I really enjoyed about it. And just I think the animation is just really clever and very beautiful and intricate and something that anyone can appreciate. I think what also helps with it being such a widely loved film by critics and audiences so far, is that yes, it does have this somewhat unidirectional plot, but also goes down some really crazy twists and turns. Mm -hmm. That Cartoon Saloon does in a lot of its films, you never see them coming. And they do turn dark and they tiptoe on this line between like almost too dark for kids, but it's not. And they explain this in our interview, which I really loved. I first got introduced to their company and this type of animation with The Secret of Kells, which was nominated at the 2010 Oscars. And I think ever since then, I've followed this company and just really loved watching anything that they do. So I totally recommend checking out any of their films. Wolf Walkers is part of this Irish folklore trilogy that they've made. So it's The Secret of Kells, Song of the Sea, and Wolf Walkers. And they all tell these beautiful stories of Irish mythology and different kinds of paganism within the history of Ireland. And it's really beautiful. Let's talk about Soul and Wolf Walkers as these two kind of leading contenders in the category and who we think might win. We're going to do a full Oscar predictions Mm -hmm. episode once we actually have the nominees. But just thinking of them now. So I mentioned those statistics with Pixar earlier, but Cartoon Saloon in this category. So The Secret of Kells. Song of the Sea, and The Breadwinner have all been nominated for Best Animated Feature, and Late Afternoon, which is one of their shorts, was nominated for Best Animated Short Film. So they also have success at the Oscars as far as nominations go, so I think, again, we can can plan to see them in this category, but do you think Wolf Walkers and Cartoon Saloon can take on the Pixar machine? 
I think they can put up a good fight. I really want to say that I wish Wolf Walkers would win at the Academy Awards, and I really hope they do, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if they will, which is disheartening because as powerful as this film is, I'm not sure it'll hold up next to Soul in terms of Academy voters. I agree. I I think in a perfect world, Soul can get a Best Picture nomination and win Best Original Score, and Wolf Walkers wins Best Animated Feature. I think that if I were a voting member, I would actually vote for Wolf Walkers. I found it to be more creative, and Mm -hmm. if I had to pick between the two, that's what I would choose. But again, I know in the past when I've done predictions or just watched the Oscars, even people who don't pay close attention to predictions, they know to go with the Pixar when they're predicting. It's just like usually they do win. Which is (sighs) what I don't like. Me too, right. I don't want it to be predictable. (laughs) I want it to be more unpredictable and to go to the better film. But Mm -hmm. I think both of these films are great. I hope that Wolf Walkers can pull it off, but I'm not sure. I think two years in particular where I wished Pixar or Disney hadn't won were 2013 and 2014, which is when Frozen won, but The Wind Rises was also nominated, and that was supposed to be Hayao Miyazaki's last film, which it wasn't, thankfully, but I think Studio Ghibli has just been shut out of this category, and It's really sad because I love all of their movies so much. Me too. And then in 2014 is when The Tale of the Princess Kaguya was nominated along with Song of the Sea, but Big Hero 6 won. And I think that could have been a close year. Beautiful hand-drawn animation from both of those films. So, so far with critics, which I saw on a next best picture tally that they have on their website, Soul has won 15 critics awards while Wolf Walkers has only won seven. So I wish this was a closer race, but so far critics are choosing Soul. Yeah, so I'm, I think now we just wait and see what the industry does. I'm curious to see how the Golden Globes go. We get those nominations on February 3rd. So I think that'll give us better insight into how the rest of this very long season will go. But those are just two nominees and this category has five. So let's get to some of the other films that we think <laughs> might fill out the rest of those slots. Starting out, we have Onward, which is the other Pixar movie from this year, which was the last movie I saw in theaters before COVID struck. Same. (laughs) (laughs) It was directed by Dan Scanlon, and it stars Tom Holland, Chris Pratt, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Octavia Spencer. It has a pretty big cast. And it's about these two brothers. They're elves, and they go on this quest to bring their father back for one day. This is also available on... Disney Plus right now, and I'll probably rewatch this by the time the Oscars come around, Mm -hmm. but definitely on a second tier compared to Soul and Wolf Walkers. So along with this being the last movie I saw in theaters, I had just gotten AMC A-list beforehand, and I had approached my now roommate and was like, hey, let's get this. We can go to movies. And so we went and like got our monies back for the month with this like IMAX, Dolby Sound, I don't know what the extras were, but we went and saw it and it was fine. And then theater shut down and that was the only movie we got to use (laughs) our AMC A-list for. (laughs) And they since have been threatening me with, you know, unfreezing my account now that theaters are back open. I'm like, well, they're not open here yet, so I don't know what you want me to do. (laughs) I definitely agree with you that it's kind of second tier Pixar or 
second tier in this category, rather. I did Mm -hmm. enjoy it when I saw it, but it was one where it felt much more like a kid's movie as opposed to this high-concept Pixar film that Soul felt like. And that's maybe not fair to it because it is a lot of fun, and I thought that the animation was good. But again, I can't see it in one of those top two spots like Soul or Wolfwalkers. I agree, and overall, I think Onward is in my lowest third of ranking all the Pixar films. I think it plays more into the Pixar equation and checking these boxes along this bumpy ride. And I think we found problems with some of the notes that it was making on how it treated the mom and using emotion in those final moments. It reminded me, if we're thinking of Pixar movies, a lot of Monsters University. Like it was just this really cute, fun world to be in but it didn't have a point of view in a way that some of the other Pixar films have and I think comparing it to Monsters University makes sense it actually has the same director as Monsters University and that I enjoyed that one too but again in my lower tier of Pixar we talked about Pixar with awards when we talked about Soul but we've never actually had two Pixar nominees in this category in the same year It could have happened twice before. So in 2016, we could have had Inside Out and The Good Dinosaur. And in 2018, we could have had Coco and Cars 3. But Inside Out and Coco received low nominations. Do you think we'll get our first double? I think we will. And I don't know if it's because I feel like this year is maybe lacking in amazing options. Or because I think this film will resonate with the Academy body as well. But I think either way, this is going to be up there. Mm -hmm. And maybe the fact that we haven't had this in the past, I think sequels have a harder time with the Academy Mm -hmm. and getting nominated in really any category. I say that. And then Toy Story 4 won last year and Toy Story 3 had one years ago. So I guess it just depends. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it depends on the quality. But to me, Cars 3 is like severely inferior in terms of Pixar films and I think most of their original films get nominated but again with The Good Dinosaur I don't think it's superior Pixar so again I'm not surprised do you think we'll get a double nomination here for Pixar yeah I think we will actually because I think you know we'll get to some of the other ones I think Onward is actually a good movie like I did leave thinking like, this is a good Pixar movie. It's not, you know, in my tier of Ratatouille and Wally and the ones that I really adore, but it was good enough where I thought like, okay, this is one that people really enjoy, especially because it does tug at your heartstrings. And it has a big cast of people who we know and who are very popular, like Tom Holland and Julia Mm Louis-Dreyfus and Octavia Spencer (laughs) playing the manticore. I just looked up on Letterboxd at my review of this from last March. I gave it a three out of five, which I think is fine. Mm -hmm. Not spectacular. But I wrote, cute story with some queer sprinkles. Did someone say daddy issues? And yes, I cried. And yes, I love a quest story, but still near the bottom of the Pixar ladder. I also gave it three out of five stars. What were you going to say about daddy issues? No, I'm... I'm not getting I'm not calling the dad hot on the pod. I'm not doing that. I thought about it and I'm I'm not. Have we before? He's a cartoon. I feel like we might have. That might be a step too far for me. Yeah, but I I would agree though. But the from the photos, like he was one of the more attractive yeah. animated dads. No, I agree. The inside out dad though is like ten out of ten animated man. <laughs> 
I know you agree with me. We need to move on, though. So next up on our list of possible nominees is Over the Moon, which is currently on Netflix, directed by Glenn Keane. It's about a young girl named Fei-Fei who builds a rocket ship and travels to the moon to prove the existence of a mythical moon goddess. I watched this this week, and I think I like this more than Onward. Really? Have you seen this? Yeah, I also watched it this week. I liked Onward better. I think part of it is honestly just I watched Onward in a theater and I didn't have anywhere to go and I didn't have my phone and it's really easy for me to get distracted watching these and Over the Moon I felt like once we got a lot of the music kind of in the middle I started getting very distracted and thinking like okay I'm very much watching a kids movie right now and that's you know probably not fair but I did think it was good though. I thought it was well done. It was good to see again more representation with this family well it does turn into a musical very quickly Mm -hmm. which none of our other ones so far have done yeah and normally they do in this category i feel Mm -hmm. i mean i did like a lot of the music and i think that's going to appeal to kids more so but the animation is different and i think especially in this category they like to spread the wealth among different companies So Over the Moon was made by Pearl Studios, which is, I believe, owned by DreamWorks. But the interesting fact here is that Keen, who directed the film, was also an animator for Walt Disney Animation Studios. There we go. (laughs) So if this gets in, can people see that attachment and be like, oh, okay, we get it now? Which, you know, might not be the case. Also, Philippa Sue is in this. I think we have some great vocals here. Ken Jong is in this. John Cho is the mm-hmm. dad. Margaret Cho is multiple aunts. And then also Sandra Oh is the oh, mom. Yeah. Another thing too about Glenn Keane. So he has actually won an Oscar before for Best Animated Short for Deer Basketball, which was oh, with yeah. Kobe. A couple years mm-hmm. ago. If I'm making my list, I'm putting Over the Moon on there. And while I think I liked Onward better, I would put Over the Moon actually before Onward if I was making my list of predictions. Okay. Similar to how you said, I think they like to spread the wealth a little bit. And I think in forming these predictions, I'm also thinking about the type of animation and if they have variety Mm -hmm. and I want to see like good quality animation. All right. So next, we are going to talk about Trolls World Tour. (laughs) (laughs) I know we've talked about Trolls World Tour in the past, and that's because it was one of those VOD streamers near the beginning of quarantine. So like in the spring, so many people rented this movie for $19.99, and I actually did watch this this week now that it's no longer $19.99, and oh boy, it reminded me of one of those like when I used to babysit kids over the summer and it would just be like so hot outside and they would want to go to a movie so I would just take them to something and just be like this is a lot I can't handle this right now it was just like an overload of color and music and just absolute insanity the whole entire time that I was like I cannot imagine being a parent in the pandemic with a child who wants to watch this five times in a row (laughs) (laughs) So this is currently on Hulu, which you can stream. I felt the same way. So this is a musical, yes, but it's a musical of cover songs, which I think makes it so much harder to endure. Well, if you haven't seen it, this concept is that these two trolls, they discover that there are just these different troll tribes that all have different kinds of music that they're devoted to. One will be like country 
one will be techno. And that's kind of how the story goes. <laughs> Apparently, Rachel Bloom runs the Rock Tribe. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know it was her, but I loved her from My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Did it also hurt me that I didn't see the original Trolls, but I watched the sequel? I also have not seen the original Trolls, so that could maybe have been a barrier for me. Maybe I would have enjoyed it more if I'd seen Trolls. It's kind of interesting that Trolls wasn't even nominated for animated feature. It didn't win for song. That was the year of La La Land having a double nomination and original song. But this is the year that Zootopia won for animated feature. Okay. So do I think it's likely that the sequel is going to be nominated? I don't think so. Yeah, I agree with you. The only reason I have it here and why I was thinking about it is just because of the narrative and the place that it had in the pandemic of just being this Mm -hmm. tell that, okay, maybe if you do release your film on VOD, people will watch it and it will be this alternative way to make money. Now, the films that followed, Mm -hmm. Tenant, etc didn't do as well as trolls world tour which is really something (laughs) yeah i won't be shocked if it does happen but i'm not going to put it in my predictions and it is hard to fill that fifth spot another film here which i don't believe is out on streaming yet is called earwig and the witch which is studio ghibli's first cg movie directed by goro Miyazaki. it's about a headstrong orphan who discovers a world of spells and potions while living with a selfish witch on first glance at the trailer i don't think i'm feeling hopeful that this is going to be nominated either but again we i have haven't seen it it's not out mm-hmm. yet so we'll have to wait based on the look of it alone so i was telling you a little before recording that the promo that i've seen for this movie has been all on casey musgraves her instagram because i follow her and she she's voicing one of the characters in the movie and when i first saw this in her stories i thought it was like a video game it very much so yeah, yeah i agree and it's like i don't know as much about animation as I do about a lot of the other categories that we'll talk about, but its look to me isn't as sophisticated as the hand-drawn animation that you'll see in the Studio Ghibli movies that have come before. Another one that could possibly be in that fifth spot is a movie called Demon Slayer, the movie. It has become this huge box office sensation from the Japanese animation world Hmm. its cumulative earnings this is all from variety are now at 313.7 million dollars over the december 26th through 27th weekend it's the biggest ever box office hit in japan and it broke spirited away's record So I think just with this huge box office performance and it's a movie based on a popular TV show, I could maybe Mm -hmm. see that getting into this fifth spot. And like you said, too, celebrating different styles of animation and coming from different countries and different studios. That's insane. Did it break your name as well? It seems like it because I Spirited Away had the record. It looks like. That was the most? Okay. So it broke that, and that was from 2001. Another one with a different kind of animation style is called Bombay Rose, which is going to be released on Netflix coming soon. It was originally released in 2019 in India and was screened at the Venice Film Festival and Toronto Film Festival. I think if we look at the past couple years and different nominations, last year we had I Lost My Body, which was French. Mirai, which was Japanese in 2018, and then other international films like Loving Vincent, The Red Turtle. I actually really liked I Lost My Body. I like the like strange, really weird ones. Yeah, it was very mysterious, very different. I think I'm just reiterating that they look 
for international submissions to give one of these nominations to. So something like this, I wouldn't be surprised with either. So another Netflix movie that I know we've briefly touched on before because I thought it was a British period drama, but is in fact a Netflix animated film is called The Willoughby's. <laughs> this one... Did you watch I this? I have not seen. So... <laughs> Still. No. Okay. <laughs> why don't you fill in our listeners if you think it could get nominated? The reason why I think it could maybe is because sometimes we do of these Netflix films, maybe this year it'll be over the moon, but last year like Klaus that have this really neat animation that get in even though they're not these mm-hmm. Disney Pixar films or from studios that we know for this category specifically. I liked this movie. I don't know if it'll get nominated. It's this 3D animation which reminds me of Onward and the Croods or Trolls. And I don't think they're going to nominate a bunch of these. Yeah. It has the look to me of like a Hotel Transylvania or like something like that. (laughs) That type of animation to me. It is. And I think it is actually a really fun movie. I think you'd like this. I mean, definitely more than Trolls. But it's like a twist on the perfect family kind of picture and it highlights some odd things like reckless driving and parents wanting to get away from their children and send them to a nanny who is played by Maya Rudolph here and I loved having her back. Okay, I need to watch it. I think the original song in here was catchy. I don't know about that being nominated. I've been able to devote more attention to this than some of the others in this category that we've mentioned or will mention. That's promising. And Maya Rudolph being in it is enough for me to check it out, even though I've probably been saying that for months. Another potential add-in here is The Crude's A New Age, which is a sequel to the original, which was nominated in 2013. So I think that would give this a bump. Mm. But going off of my previous conversation on sequels, I'm not necessarily hopeful that this will actually be nominated i haven't seen this i haven't seen the crudes have you seen either i have not seen either the reason i can't see it taking that fifth spot is just because again in this category sometimes they do like to nominate films that aren't necessarily kids movies but that are animated films from other countries or from other studios and this to me just feels like a very standard animated film and when you have Mm -hmm something like Trolls World Tour, which is also that, but performed better. And then you have something like Over the Moon, which is a more classic animated film with music and original songs. I think it's just, it's harder for it to make waves with industry. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't predict it, but it's on our list just because these are sometimes kind of sneaky and can come in if they perform really well. This is just, again, a strange year because it just went straight to VOD. And surprisingly, the animated short film list will be part of the short lists that are released on February 9th, but animated feature isn't on those. So we really just have to wait until nominations come Mm -hmm. out to figure out what the five are. So next on our list, I have to say just, this is definitely one of the worst movies I've seen in recent memory. (laughs) And that movie is Scoob. I try to find value in any movie that I watch. I really, really do. That really wasn't possible for this. And I think the reason why it made me really sad was because I really loved the Scooby-Doo cartoons as a kid. And this just, it Mm -hmm. just didn't have any of the charm or creativity that those cartoons had. Yeah, I agree. This is tied for my second lowest rating on Letterboxd. Whoa. 
The only other time I gave one star in 2020 was to Hillbillyology. Oh, gosh. But I agree. I There was no charm. The animation was fine, but the story was weak. The one thing I enjoyed was how this almost really dark ending happened. And I didn't expect them to end a kid's movie this way, but they get out of it without any explanation. Yeah. So that just defeated its whole purpose to me. Yes. Like Simon Cowell? <laughs> What? What? I mean, and sadly, I don't even think the animation looked great here. No, I think it was just emotionally and narratively confused. Another one on our predictions list is called Lupin the Third, the first, which is a continuation of the manga series by the same name. And I know this has roots in one of Hayao Miyazaki's first films called Lupin the Third, The Castle of Cagliostro. So the film has this 3D animation and was released by G-Kids, which is a pretty big animation company here in North America in October 2020. Another one that I think is really intriguing that I actually am really excited to check out. It looks like it's streaming right now through MoMA, the Museum of Modern Art, and it's called La Casa Lobo or The Wolf House. And it seems to be a Chilean and German production and it's stop motion animation. And it's like a nightmare of a fairy tale that's inspired by a real life Nazi commune that existed under Chilean dictator's rule from 1973 to 1990. And it's supposed to be this really obscure narrative. And I love stop motion animation. This actually came out in 2018 abroad, but it premiered in the U.S. in 2020. So I think that would make it eligible. But ones like this that are a little darker, sometimes stop motion, it looks it looks very creepy, very sinister. And I'm excited to check this out. And this actually won Best Animated Feature at the Boston Film Critics Society. This year? Yeah. Oh, so maybe it is eligible. This is exciting. Okay. I haven't even seen it, but it just looks like something that's avant-garde and it's a nice twist on what we usually get in this category. So I'm excited to check Mm -hmm. it out. You found one you're excited to watch. (laughs) That means the Willoughbys will be pushed down further on my list. So I think we have a lot of options to fill this category. We mentioned a bunch here, and I'm sure there are more that are to come, even though maybe this category has been boiled down into two nominees and one that we agree that will probably win. But that being said, anything could happen. We still have four months. (laughs) We still have so much time, but it was great just talking about this today and starting off our Oscar conversations because in this very long season... It feels like now we're kind of starting to kick it off. And like I said before, Mm -hmm. very soon we'll have Golden Globe nominations. And I think then we might have a better idea of how things are going to shake out in this very strange year for film and for film awards. Yeah, only the beginning. Please check out our interview with the directors of Wolf Walkers, Tom Moore and Ross Stewart. That will be dropping tomorrow. It is a lot of fun. We love talking to them. And... We hope that you'll enjoy that conversation as well. Next week on Oscar Wilde, we will be celebrating the 30th anniversary of one of my favorite movies of all time, big five winner at the Oscars, The Silence of the Lambs. I had my first time watch for this in 2020. Wait, what? Really? 
Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. I'm very excited. I think it was for a horror draft. I think I watched it for the first time. I'm excited to one, watch it again, but also to discuss a little bit further than we did on our October episodes last year. <laughs> so shocked. I am so shocked. <laughs> but so excited it'll because it'll be great to have your perspective because I watched this for the first time when I was maybe like 14 or 15 (laughs) and I've just watched it repeatedly over the years it's one of my most rewatched Uh so I'm excited to talk to you about it if you've only seen it once or twice this is a big movie in Oscars history and I'm excited to chat about it yeah so if you haven't yet seen Silence of the Lambs definitely watch it before listening to the episode it looks like it's available on Sling TV if you have a subscription or you can rent anywhere thanks so much for listening let us know if you agree with our predictions or if we missed anything or if there are other films Mm -hmm. that you think we need to check out that you think might make it into this category and let us know your thoughts on Wolf Walkers and the discussion we have with the directors you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Oscar Wilde Pod And as always, stay safe and wear your masks. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you soon. Stay safe and wear your masks.